and it says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bila and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made for him a richly, a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of corn in the field when suddenly my sheath rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well, his, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Let's just pray for Tim before he comes up. Father, thank you that you uh, want to speak to each one of us this morning. Father, thank you that we are here this morning as your children. And I pray for Tim as your son that you would speak through him this morning into each of our lives. Amen. Morning, everybody. Well, I wonder what is your dream for your life? Is it to have a big booming voice like this? One of those moments, isn't it, TV, where were you when Kennedy died, when Diana died, when Susan Boyle got three S's. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's one of my favourite moments of recent uh, TV history uh, because it perfectly captures, I think, our British love of the underdog. Are we all right microphone-wise? Shall I use a different one? Are we okay, do we think? Carry on. Uh, provided us with a snapshot of the little people uh, getting one over the wealthy elite and celebrities. And along the way, that story provided us with much laughter and tears, didn't it? But in amongst all the kind of feel-good celebration of a little-known Scottish underdog, the reason I love that clip is that I think it perfectly captures another key theme of our society and our time. You see, today in our series over the summer, uh, we are looking at mythbusters, all about the things in our lives that we believe to be true, that our society holds dear, but maybe contain more fiction than fact. The stories that we believe that are more fiction than fact. And today, two weeks in, that Susan Boyle clip perfectly summarizes this myth. The idea that I can be somebody. And we live it in our lives, don't we? The idea that we can be significant. Whether it is to do with being famous, like all those reality shows, or being successful, 
or being powerful or wealthy or important. The emphasis on we can change history, we can make a difference, I can be somebody. And we don't have to look far to see this message everywhere, do we? Just a quick Google for quotes reveals all sorts of things. I love this one. I have a problem with low self-esteem, which is ridiculous when you consider how amazing I am. Or this one, you are perfect exactly as you are with all your flaws and problems. There's no need to change anything. All you need to change is the thought that you have to change. Or what about this one from Dr. Seuss? Why fit in when you were born to stand out? Yeah. Or maybe this one from Audrey Hepburn. Nothing's impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. Summarized by the platinum selling pop song that you may well know by the script, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you can be the greatest, you can be the best, you can be the King Kong banging on your chest, standing in the Hall of Fame and the world's gonna know your name because you burn with the brightest flame and the world's gonna know your name and you'll be on the walls of the Hall of Fame. All providing us a powerful message of the possibility of achieving your dreams, whatever dreams they may be, to be successful, famous, a great parent, a great partner, to have a brilliant job, to have a big house, to have a nice car, whatever that dream may be. And if you add to that some of our recent political history, yes, we can. It's a heady mix, isn't it, of self-esteem, confidence, fulfilling your dreams, instilling a self-confidence in your own ability not to take no for an answer. And there is much in this that I think is wonderful. After generations of exclusion and for some repression, this new era encourages us all to use our unique God-given gifts and talents to make a difference. It tells everyone that regardless of education, class, background, anything, regardless of anything, we have a valuable and important part to play in society. Much of it is important and good, isn't it? And yet, and yet. As one author recently wrote, I continue to be amazed by the number of youth and young adults who are stressed and burnt out from the regular shaming and feelings of inadequacy if they happen to not be doing something unique and special. Today's generation is being fed the message that if they don't do something extraordinary in this life, they're wasting their gifts and potential. Or as Madonna has said, my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That's always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended and I guess it never will. For some of us, if we're honest, we struggle with this. If you're a part of my generation, we grew up singing and believing that we could be history makers, changing the world. Yeah, but if you're anything like me, you get to a certain age and stage of life and you thought you'd have achieved more by now, and you hoped that the world would offer you more than you have. You long for more adventure, 
for more status, for more success, for bigger, for that dream to look different. Well, today, we're going to explore this just for a few minutes using the story of one biblical character, the story of Joseph. And through all of this, we'll begin to understand that not everything to do with this idea of we can be somebody is not as straightforward as we think. And that maybe God's perspective on all this is a little bit different. And we're going to keep this verse on the screen. This verse summarizing that God's ways are not always our ways. From the book of Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So let's jump in. I'm going to leave that on the screen with the story of Joseph. I don't know how much you know, but let me briefly sketch through it. It starts, as we've just read in Genesis 37, with a happy family or not so happy family. And we quickly see that all is not well. Joseph is loved more by his father. The brothers don't like him for it. He has dreams. Uh, he gets given a Gucci coat. And he has dreams telling his brothers that they're going to bow down to him. As a result, what happens? The brothers want to get rid of him. Some want to kill him. Some just want to get rid of him. He ends up being sold to, as a slave. Gets taken into a different land. And there he does well. God enables him to work for a good person. And he rises in that household until he gets to the status of being accused of a sex assault. And is then thrown into prison for nothing he did. And in prison he meets two people who worked for the king, who obviously got bad on the wrong side of the king. And God enables him to interpret their dreams. And one of those dreams turns out, turns out badly for the other guy. One turns out well. That guy gets released from prison and goes back to work for the king. Joseph hopes that he'll remember him, but he forgets. And then some time later, the king has some dreams. And he asks for somebody to help interpret it. And this man remembers. There was this guy in prison. And so Joseph is called before the king of the known world, the pharaoh, the great superpower of its day. Egypt. And he enab God enables him to interpret a dream, and he goes from the biggest rise in history from basically being in prison to being the prime minister of the global superpower. What a rise. And there, God puts him in position to be able to store lots of food so when there's a famine in the area, including in the area where his old family were, they have to come to him for help. And then reopening old wounds, his brothers who sold him into slavery, who abused him and almost killed him, stand before him asking for help. And Joseph has to respond and in an act of great grace provides for them and welcomes them in. And from this brief sketch story, there's four questions I want us to ask very briefly about our own dreams, the things we want to achieve, the idea that we can be somebody. And here's question number one. Do your dreams about your life drive you to distraction? Or worse, do your dreams for your life drive you to destruction? We all know what it's like in our lives. We thought something would be happening by now. We had this picture of how our life would be. And we don't settle for how it is now in our relationships, in our careers, in what we do, in our bank balance, in whatever. There's this nagging feeling of we could be, we should be, we were offered more than we have now. 
Great quote from psychologist Oliver James. This is the death that so many people suffer today, death by social comparison. If we make our self-esteem so contingent on external standards, we run a huge risk of feeling like failures. Even if we succeed in those terms, there will always be somebody better than us. Well, in the life of Joseph, it's a cautionary tale, isn't it? Verse 3 that Sarah read to us from Genesis 37. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Not a great thing. He'd clearly grown up believing that he was special. He could be somebody. And then he has these dreams and those fateful words in verse 5 and 8. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers. And verse 9, then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. As one author said, Joseph was a prima donna, a brat, happily taunting his brothers. His self-righteousness was leading him on a path to being at best a terribly unattractive person and at worst, a cruel person too proud to really love anyone. And here's the rub. If we us believe that we can be somebody, there's a caution with how it drives you to treat other people. How it drives you to view your circumstances right now. That the way they are right now are never enough. So we're constantly distracted. Some of us, if we're honest, have dreams for the future that mean however things are now, it's never, ever enough. Some of us, if we've been in a church context, may even have been given what we felt were prophetic words for our future. And as a result of those, they drive us to distraction now, or worse, destruction, in the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat others. Or even just the things we hope for, we wish were true in our lives. If only I could dot, dot, dot. And we let these damage us and we let them damage other people in the way we treat them, always using them to achieve this dream. And sadly, dare I say it, even church history is littered with people who have treated others not very well, even for good godly dreams. Some of the famous missionaries, the names that you may know if you've been a Christian a while, great heroes when you actually read what was going on in their life and the way they treated others, the way they treated even their partners. Dreams driving you to distraction or destruction. The truth is, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are our, way, your, neither are our ways his ways, declares the Lord. So do your dreams drive you to distraction or destruction? Second question is this, do your dreams for your life, the things that you want to be, the, the I can be somebody, do your dreams lead you to forget the journey you're on right now? Joseph's story is dramatic, isn't it? Starts out in a Gucci coat, ends up probably very well dressed as prime minister of the global superpower, but there's huge mountains and valleys in that treated terribly over the years. But God 
never took his eyes off Joseph. Because as you cast forward to Genesis chapter 50, as we get to the end of the, 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 the story, let me read some verses to you. Genesis 50 verse 18. This is when the brothers who are in famine have come to Egypt trying to get food and there's this kind of thing being happening where eventually Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Says this, Joseph's brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. He starts off as this prima donna brat taunting his brothers, very self-obsessed. And he ends up this godly, wise, kind, caring man, used by God to change history. And yet, you can see as you go through the story, without the ups and downs, arguably Joseph would have stayed that prima donna brat. As Bono said, following the death of his mother, I couldn't let go of my faith. But what I think is more interesting is that I don't think God will let go of me. Sometimes, and can I say this with as much care and pastoral concern as possible, sometimes God may break us in order to remake us. Sometimes we think God is killing us and he may actually be saving us. Just like a dry stone walls you see around in some beautiful parts of the country. When you see the few rocks crumbling out, you can't just wedge a rock back in to make it strong. You have to break the wall down to remake it as this strong wall that will last for decades. And so therefore, if you've got dreams for your life, if I've got hopes for my life, don't forget that God may be doing things right now in you and through you that you do not yet see. And we can't fast track it. We so often would like to be here and forget that God is right here in the journey. Some of us can be so focused on what might be or what we hope will be that we forget that God is at work right now. Right now. Why? Because my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So, do your dreams drive you to distraction or destruction? Two, do your dreams lead you to forget the journey right now? Thirdly, third question, are your dreams for your life those things that you hope to achieve, that I can be somebody, do they focus on my will be done or thy will be done, if we're honest? Is it really about me or him? There's a great quote from Nietzsche in which he said, if there is a God, I cannot bear not to be that God. 
And there's a beautiful irony. I don't know if you picked this up when the passage that was read to us. Let me read to you again verse 2 of Genesis 37. This is the account of Jacob's family line. And then we go on to hear about Joseph. Who's the story about? It's not about Joseph. This is the account of Jacob's family line. And not even about Jacob, actually. It's about Jacob's family line. Which is why when we get to Genesis 47, and look at verse 27, after Israel has got, the people of Israel have gone to Egypt to find that food, we read these words. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. Just as those promises all those years ago when God said he will build a people who will be blessed and will be a blessing, all along, that's the point. That's the deal. The story's never about Joseph. It's never even about Jacob. It's about what God is doing right now, building his people to be a blessing for this planet. So too in our culture. Our story is not about me. It's not about you. God is doing something way bigger than my little, little life. I realized a few years ago, way before we came to Birmingham, I was praying that I would get given a job. Not just any job, it was a particular job I was going for. And I was praying that God would give me this job, enable me to do well in the interview and all that. And I had a moment where as I was praying this, I had this very strange feeling. And it was as if I realized for the first time what I was doing, that in effect, I was praying that I would get this job meant that I was also praying that other people wouldn't. I was praying that people wouldn't get a job. It's quite shocking, really, when you think of it like that. It made me realize, ultimately, the prayer was for me, not for him. God may have other ideas in store for our lives, doing something way bigger than we can currently see. And so, as we think about the things we long to achieve in life, are they really what I want to achieve? Or are they really for him? And it gets really tricky, doesn't it, when they are good godly dreams for him, but we know deep down it's kind of we want to be on the action as well a little bit. And of course, when we get to Christ, we realize that ultimately it isn't about what we achieve at all. At all that we are loved unconditionally, regardless of what we do, that our value is not dependent on what we achieve, how successful, how much status we have. And therefore we can be free that this desire to be somebody doesn't become a chain round our neck. Why? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways, my ways, declares the Lord.
So, three things so far. Do your dreams lead you to distraction or destruction? Two, do they lead you to forget what God might be doing right now? Three, do they lead you to think, are they about me or about him? God may be doing something way bigger. And therefore, if we want to follow him, we may end up saying, Lord, your will be done. But fourthly and finally, are your dreams for your life really going to be that rewarding or fulfilling anyway? If those hopes, those dreams finally came true, how would you feel? Would they be that rewarding? If we really became somebody, if Susan Boyle's dreams did come true. There's a great quote from Jim Carrey, the Hollywood actor and comedian. He said, I wish everybody could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they would know that that's not the answer. It's not long till the Rio Olympics, is it? This week, in fact. And at the end of the last Olympics in London, the BBC produced a little, little kind of five-minute segment. And we're just going to watch a couple of minutes of it, which is fascinating on this issue about what happens when all you've been hoping for comes to be. And so when we get to the end of the story in Genesis 50, we come to some quite surprising words. Right at the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph said to his brothers, verse 24 of chapter 50, I'm about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we end the book of Genesis with two words that seem as you initially read it very insignificant. And then you read them more carefully and you realize. Verse 26 of Genesis 50. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph's dreams came true. And yet, his people are still in Egypt. God's plans, he had not yet seen them come to fruition. There's still outstanding things to be done. And therefore, for us, if we rely on that dream, I can be somebody. If that's the main thing that we aim for, it's the thing that we think about when our head goes on the pillow, it's the thing that consumes us. If we get there, we will realize there is so much undone. And for others of us, there is something that is not in true about our life right now that we wish were true. If only I could have this. If only this were true. If only my life looked like this. If only my situation was like this. If only, if only. And we think when we get there, then ah. And the story of Joseph reminds us God's plans are way bigger. And if we get there, there will be so much still undone in our lives. Still unseen. Still so many things that haven't come to pass. Because God is in the business of building a people to be a blessing and to be blessed. Are we people that will willingly say, God, whatever that looks like for me, your way, not my way. Why? 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord.